we're all aware that life is full of changes. Life changes constantly. Not only from day to day, but actually from minute to minute. And we like to remain strong no matter what happens in life. We like for things to always go in a positive direction. Although that's not always the case. But we keep plugging away. We keep fighting. And that's the way God created us, I think. I think God gave us a natural survival instinct. That no matter what happens in life, we're going to continue to fight for betterment no matter what it is. You know, the church is no different. The church, no matter where it is in the world, will undergo changes of some type. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not so good. But the Lord wants His church, no matter where it is in the world, to continue to strive toward that which is good, doing His will in all areas. We know that there are different types of congregations as far as sizes and uh, nationalities and uh, just various things that, you know, are contained within a congregation. There are congregations that may be in a uh, military uh, type situation where they have a lot of transient members coming and going. And then you have congregations that are settled and uh, their, their membership doesn't change a whole lot as far as the type of membership that they have. We here at White Oak have experienced changes. This congregation has been here for a number of years and gone through different changes over those years. But this congregation still tries to do what God wants it to do. No matter what happens, no matter the situation, and as I said, God wants that for every congregation of the Lord's church, no matter where it is in the world. But what constitutes a strong congregation? There are certain things that uh, a strong congregation consists of. And I'm sure that you, you may have even read the book, uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People, or something along those lines. And the reason that people put those books out one reason to make money, <laughs> but they feel they have some valuable information to how to, uh, to how, uh, how to succeed and then continue that success, no matter what it is in life. It's the same way with the church. Why is one congregation more uh, successful or stronger than another congregation? It's because of the things that they might do or don't do. But as we look at the Lord's church, and especially here uh, at White Oak, there are things that we do that help keep this congregation strong. I think these things need to be present in all congregations so that the Lord's church can carry on the work of the church and to be successful and have longevity. There have been those congregations that have closed their doors because of certain situations, not growing or just, you know, various reasons. But God wants a strong church on this earth he wants the church to have a strong presence among the world's people. And it's up to us to do that. It's up to us to do our part here at White Oak so that we can be pleasing to God and help this congregation have longevity and help people come to a knowledge of the truth and obey that truth and become a part here. You know, the Apostle Paul gives us uh, admonition, commands, Ephesians 6.10, Paul says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord 
and in the power of his might. You know, it's not only a command, but it's encouragement for us to continue to be strong no matter what happens in life and in our congregation here. You know, the Apostle Peter as recorded for us in Second Peter two two, where Peter or First Peter two two, where Paul uh, Peter says, uh, "Desire the sincere, sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby." Well, that's a that's a good verse for us to look at because it puts into our minds the idea of growth. We're to grow in a number of ways. As a as a newborn child desires the uh, material food that is so important for survival we should be uh, desiring that spiritual food that will help us grow and Peter reminds us of that and Peter oftentimes reminded the brethren of certain things now that is something that we all know but from time to time we need to be reminded of those things in order for us to keep them in our minds and help us to uh, obtain the goals that we set for ourselves I remember being, uh, Brenda and I, being a member of one congregation, and each year the elders would set a budget, and they would raise that budget because they wanted to take on new works and do different things, and they challenged the congregation to meet that budget. And you know, every year that we were there, I think they met that. I don't recall one year of that not being the case. But they had foresight. They had uh, goals set for the congregation, and they ask the congregation, put it before them, uh, to uh, step up to the plate, as the saying goes, and to meet those challenges. And we as God's children, whether we're talking about collectively as a congregation or an individual Christian, we should be seeking to grow. We should be seeking to be successful in what we do. And it's important to understand that growth uh, is going to cover different areas. But growth is really what we're looking for spiritually. Not so much as numerically. Of course, we do want to grow in number. But the important thing is to grow spiritually. I think if we grow spiritually, I think the numbers will eventually be there. But we have to work on ourselves first and do that which is right. God wants strong congregations. As Paul also said, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men, be strong. In other words... Be strong. Take on the responsibilities that are necessary. Take on the challenges. Set goals. Do those things that are going to help us grow as a congregation and as individual Christians. So growth is very important. So we're going to look at some things tonight uh, about the church and what constitutes a a strong church. And and I think that you will agree that uh, these are present here with us. I think this congregation meets these, uh, these things that are needed in order to grow. And if you happen to find yourself in the future, maybe in another congregation, hopefully not, hopefully we'll, we'll have people here, but you will be able to understand and maybe help out with the growth for that congregation, looking at these things that are very important and very needful uh, in order to help, help the Lord's church grow. Now, there's some things in a congregation that are there. Uh, it would be nice to have them if they're not there, but they're not essential. And I'd just like to start out with a, a couple of things there. Uh, as far as these are nice, it'd be good to have, but they're not necessarily essential. And one is a large congregation. It's nice to have a large, a large congregation because a lot of things uh, can get done because you have more people and more resources and things like that. But it's not necessary 
to have a large congregation. I have seen smaller congregations do the Lord's work and do it very well and build the congregation. But a large congregation is not necessary, but it is good. Um, recorded for us in Deuteronomy, the seventh chapter, verse seven. Um, have you ever asked yourself, why did God choose the Jews to uh, bring Christ into the world? Why did he choose the Israelites to be his people? Well, in Deuteronomy 7, 7, Moses writes, The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people, for ye were the fewest of all people. It reminds me of the parable of the mustard seed. The mustard seed, very small, but yet it, what it produces is tremendous. We've seen that. If you take, for instance, the acorn and the mighty oak tree that is produced from that little bitty seed, uh, we can see that God can take something very small and accomplish something great with it. Our Lord took 12 men as his chosen apostles to take the gospel to the world. Look what we have today because of that very small number starting out. But a large membership is not necessarily uh, going to be better than a smaller congregation. Uh, oftentimes there's more benefits, but it doesn't necessarily mean that a smaller congregation cannot do the Lord's work and do it well. Uh, another thing that oftentimes is nice, but it also can be a hindrance too, and that's wealth of people, the wealth that someone has. Uh, for, for instance, Brother A.M. Burton, the wealth that he had, he paid for Marshall Keeble to go around and uh, preach the gospel. He supported him while he did that, but yet it also can be a detriment. If we look at Revelation 3rd chapter and look at the church of Laodicea, that was a problem. Uh, in Laodicea, they had the idea that they were rich and they really didn't need anything, but uh, what Jesus says, what John writes for us, is letting us know that, uh, first of all, that they weren't necessarily doing what God wanted to, and they, and they had the resources to. When we look at Revelation, the third chapter, verse 14, Christ says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the uh, Amen, the faithful and true witnesses, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would, thou, uh, I would that thou wert cold or hot. So because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Now he's saying this about the church at Laodicea. Just because the Lord's church exists doesn't mean that the, some of the members are right in what they do. You know, the Apostle Paul addressed many problems uh, as he took care of the churches and Corinth and where the church was established in Rome and places like that. So, but he is saying here that they were rich. They had material things, but they didn't use them properly evidently or they were not doing what they uh, needed to be doing as far as the Lord's work. And this could, be a, could have been a hindrance. And Timothy also, uh, Paul telling Timothy about the rich and to remind them that really they should be about the Lord's work and not building up material things. But it's not wrong to have wealth, but it can be a hindrance. Uh, so some of these things are nice to have, but they're not necessary in order for a congregation to be strong. Uh, it's not money that, that builds the church necessarily, although it's nice to, because there are certain things can be done. Uh, but it's those people, those members that are working that build up the church.
one thing, the first thing we want to look at as far as what is needed in a congregation in order for it to be strong is the fact that the members need to be converted, truly converted. Sadly, there are those who have obeyed the gospel, but for some reason they were not truly converted uh, as they should have been, and they never matured spiritually, and oftentimes they fall away. But people need to be converted to the Lord. In other words, what is first in your life? Are you going to make sure that everything else comes after serving God? For attendance, where are you going to be on Sunday morning? Where are you going to be on Sunday night, Wednesday night? How about gospel meetings? Now, I know attendance within itself does not necessarily uh, prove that a person is converted. But if you're not going to be making it to the services of the Lord's church, how converted are you really? So we have to think about those things. And when we see a strong church, we see a strong membership in attendance. It's so important. It's not merely putting on a show. It's more than a show. It's not putting on whitewash. If you know what whitewash is, it's kind of a a cheap (laughs) substitute for pain, I guess, rather than having a real thing. If you ever whitewashed a fence, it's not real paint, but it's similar to it. It reminds me of that commercial about insurance. It's not the real thing, but it's similar. (laughs) Well, we don't want to be similar to something to the real thing, which is dedication to God. We want to be truly dedicated for God, not half converted. And we can look at the uh, parable of the soils, and in Luke thir- uh, eight thirteen, where we see uh, the different types of soil. We know that according to the soil is according to how the plant will grow. You know, it's amazing where plants will grow sometimes. You could look at a solid rock wall of a mountain and all of a sudden just see a little plant coming out of the rock. But you know that plant can only grow so big because there's only so much soil. But when we look around at the world, there's a lot of soil there for us to to plant and harvest. But when we look at what is said in Luke 8.13, as Jesus talked about that parable, he says, They on the rock are they which when they hear receive the word with joy, and these have no root, for uh, which for a while believe, and in a time of temptation fall away. So it's important for us to really grow in the Lord. You know, one, of the, uh, one thing we like to do, I know several of you do gardening and Uh, whether it's flowers or vegetables or whatever, you want your plants to grow right. And you give those plants the the necessary nutrients in the right kind of soil because you know if you don't, those plants are not going to produce as they should. Well, if we don't plant ourselves deep in the Word of God and serve God, then we're not really converted as we ought to be. And that's one of the things that we need to be sure of is that we're truly converted. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that we become new creatures. When we come into Christ, we become new creatures, and we shouldn't want to go back and be the old way. We should want to go forward and be truly converted to God in everything that we do. Christianity should not really be something we do. It should be something we are. Each day we wake up, we don't have to necessarily remind ourselves that we're Christians because that's who we are to start with. We know that we're going to serve God day in and day out. We've already made that decision. 
And that's what keeps us strong. It is unfortunate that some people, have, although they have obeyed the gospel, have not really made that decision that they're going to give their whole life to God all the time, not just part of the time. I understand there are problems in life. I understand there are struggles and things that we go through. And a lot of people have not gotten to the point of having strong faith to overcome those obstacles. So one of the uh, sad things is they fall away from God. But as God's people and to have a strong church, we must be truly converted. And we have that here. I think you would agree with me. We have people that are truly converted. Another thing that we need to be aware of is that help us be strong is the fact of being studious. Students of the Bible. You know, one time, and I know you've heard this, and for uh, you older members, you remember that the members of the church at one time were called Bible-quoting, Bible-toting people because they knew the Bible. Well, unfortunately, it's not that way, but we can still set out to learn God's Word. We may not be like a computer that has perfect recall on everything, but the more we study, the more we'll learn. The more we'll know how to apply God's Word, not only know what it means, but God's Word tells us oftentimes how to apply that truth. We need to hunger and thirst after righteousness. You know, when Jesus gave his Sermon on the Mount, that was one of the things he talked about, hunger and thirsting after righteousness. And that should be the case with us. And when you find a strong church, you'll find those members wanting that knowledge. They're hungry and they're thirsty for the knowledge of God, something that we need to take very seriously because how many times has it been the case that a member of the church had an opportunity to talk to someone, but they were afraid because they didn't feel they had enough knowledge. Well, how do you change that? If a person says, well, I don't have enough knowledge, what's the first thing that comes into your mind about changing that? Get the knowledge. Study. You know, each of us had to go through our, the public school system. Maybe nowadays, or, you know, there are kids who are homeschooled, but when we were growing up, the majority of us went through a public school system. Why? to get an education, to be taught things that we did not know. Well, that going through that system and not knowing those things and coming out on the other side knowing that we did learn things should tell us that the way to solve the problem with a lack of, for and lack of knowledge is to get knowledge. So we need to be more studious in that. We're commanded to grow in knowledge. We're commanded to study God's Word. If you will, turn over to Hebrews, the fifth chapter. I think this section of Scripture here says a lot about what was expected of the Christians back in those days uh, as far as what they should have known, and it's no different today. Beginning in verse 12, Hebrews, 6, uh, Hebrews 5, 12, for when the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk, and not of strong meat. For every one that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are full of age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So the admonition here and, and the point is that these brethren should have been at a certain level of knowledge to where they could go out and teach others. But the Hebrews writer says 
that you're not at that point. He says, actually, you're at the point that somebody needs to teach you again. And that can happen to us. But when we see a strong congregation, we see that there's good teaching, good classes, and we're about to have a, a teacher's workshop. Why? Because we want to help people become more knowledgeable in the Word of God. You know, oftentimes a teacher, one, and we have some teachers in our congregation here, oftentimes a teacher will say, well, I learn more than my students when I prepare a lesson to be presented. Because the teacher has to do the research. They have to know the material. So therefore, within their research, they learn and they still learn. We need to be students of God's Word. We need to be studious. And a strong congregation is going to have that in place. And they're going to continue that. I appreciate the fact that we have members here who are looking ahead, wanting to improve our uh, system of learning so that more people can learn. That's a good thing. Studying God's Word is the only way that a person can come to know the truth. Whether it's in a classroom setting or an individual setting, the only way that a person is going to learn about God's Word is sit down and study it and learn from not only what they read, but also from other people helping them. So it's so important for us to be studious people, not only as a congregation, but also as individuals. Another thing you will find at a congregation that is strong is zeal. And we know that a person can have zeal without knowledge, so it's kind of like we back up a little bit what we just talked about, getting the knowledge, and we combine the two, zeal, that's how we become stronger. That's how we become more knowledgeable. Romans, the second chapter, verse 11, Paul wrote, Not slothful in business or slothful, whichever you prefer, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. In other words, there needs to be enthusiasm there. There needs to be some energy there and some desire to serve God and to have that zeal. One of the problems that Paul talked about with uh, his fellow Israelites was the fact that they had a zeal for God, but what wasn't according to knowledge, especially when it came to the uh, fact of salvation. They didn't understand or they did not want to accept the gospel, that plan that would give them salvation. They went about establishing their own righteousness. In other words, going back unto the law of Moses, which was no longer there, and they were trying to establish that. That would be no different than someone today just trying to come up with a way that they could say, well, I'm going to go to heaven, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to go to heaven by doing that. Well, just because they think that doesn't make it so. God has told us what that is, but yet we would uh, need to appreciate someone who is thinking along those lines, thinking along the spiritual lines of wanting to have eternal life. Because I think there are more people today who are just not sure I think years and years ago, you could kind of divide the atheist uh, apart from those who did believe. But I think today there are more of those people who are just not sure what the truth is. They're not necessarily saying, no, God doesn't exist, but they're not saying, well, He does exist. Of course, the only thing to remedy that is knowledge, but we have to have the zeal to help people come to that point. And that is the work of the church. And as we look at our responsibility as Christians to continue to do God's will, as Paul says uh, in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, he makes a very good point, admonishing us in a sense or uh, encouraging us 
to continue to do the work of God. Not backing off, but continue to do it. He says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. That means always working, going forward in the work of the Lord. Not falling back, not stopping, but always going forward. And he, wants, he wanted the brethren to know at that time when he wrote this that it wasn't the fact that they were going to do this and there would be no reward for it. He goes on to say, uh, for as much as you know that, in, that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So he's saying that uh, you, you're not going to go out and do this and it's not going to accomplish anything and you will end up empty-handed. He's saying that it is going to accomplish something. He says it's not in vain. But there needs to be uh, a diligent effort put forth in doing God's work. We need to have that zeal. We need to have that energy. Now, I'm not talking about energy bouncing off the wall energy. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about steadfast uh, zeal to do God's work, a desire, no matter what the circumstances. We continue to do that. Another thing we uh, see with a strong congregation is the fact that they're rich in faith. Do we believe God? Do we take God at His word? When we're trying to accomplish something as the church, do we really believe that God's going to bless us in that? Well, unfortunately, some people don't. I've run into a couple of occasions where brethren just did not have faith. I had one brother tell me in the middle of the class, not only told me, told the whole congregation that he didn't have faith in God for him to take care of him if something happened to his business. I thought that was a rather odd statement to start with, but <laughs> I don't know if it was good or bad to confess it to the whole church. But I didn't understand that thinking. Still don't understand that. Another situation, everybody's for a certain thing, and one brother was just against it. He didn't think it could be accomplished. He was worried, well, what if we don't do that? What if we do it and we can't make a payment? And Well, this particular thing that they're talking about, this, well, it was done ahead of time. But a good congregation, a strong congregation is going to have faith. They're going to take God at his word. When God promises us something, we need to take God at his word. We don't need to doubt God. If God says it, then it's going to happen. If we keep up our end. There are many times that God told the Israelites, if they kept the commandments of God, they would be blessed. But it was always conditional. You must keep my commandments. And, of course, we know what uh, James says about faith. If you will, turn to the book of James. Faith is so important. Look at verse 5. Start in verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given. Now, this is a very important verse, verse 6. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth, uh, wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Why? Because he doesn't have the faith. He's not believing. He's not trusting God. So if a person doesn't have that faith, why should they think they're going to receive anything of God? That's why it's important for a strong congregation to have, well, any congregation to have that kind of faith. 
because things get done when the congregation puts their trust and their faith in God. So we must be rich in faith. Of course, we know, we know the Hebrews writer says to us that without faith it is impossible to please him. Well, that's not a hard statement to understand because God tells us to have faith. And if we're not going to have faith, then God's not going to be pleased with us. But he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And along with that diligence, there's faith. And our faith can actually increase, and it should increase over the years. We should come to trust God more and more and more. You know, we often talk about, and quote Romans ten seventeen when we're given the plan of salvation, the invitation, talking about faith cometh by hearing. But you know, that's a continual thing if we think about it. The more we read, our faith is going to grow by the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if faith comes by hearing the word of God, let's hear the word of God more and more often. So a strong congregation is going to have that kind of faith that pleases God. And we as individual Christians should have that kind of faith in our lives also. Another area that we can look at is a strong congregation is going to be united. You know, the Apostle Paul dealt with divisions. And if you will, we alluded to this, I can't, can't remember if it was a sermon or a class this morning, but if we go to Corinthians, the first, uh, first Corinthians, the first chapter, it's important what Paul says here uh, about divisions. And remember this section here covers the fact that there were those that were trying to up one another on who uh, baptized them. But when we see... What Paul says here in 1 Corinthians, uh, he, he wants unity. He doesn't want the brethren to be divided. And a congregation doesn't need to be divided. We're very aware of the, the, the things that have taken place in, in time past with the Lord's church, and there were problems, divisions, and things, and those congregations split. It's a sad situation. It should never be that way. Uh, but in verse 10, he says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Now, he is not talking about opinions. He's talking about doctrine there. And when we're united in doctrine, then we'll be able to handle those situations that are dealing with opinions. Someone once said, In faith, unity... And in opinion, liberty, but in all things, love. So unity is very important. It's one body. There's one Lord, one faith. Ones, all the ones in the Bible shows that we're to be together. We're to be united in all that we, we do, especially in doctrine. Uh, unfortunately, that, that's not always the case. But... If you will, turn over to uh, John 17, verses 20 and 21. And we've recently, and Jim's covered this recently about uh, unity in, in John 17, and uh, really this is, would be considered the Lord's Prayer rather than what is considered the Lord's Prayer. But uh, Jesus is praying, and he makes some very important statements in what he says here in John 17, 20, 21. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee. 
that they also may be one in us, that the world may know that thou hast sent me. So there's a message in being united. It sends a message to the world. We know it sends a message to the world when bickering and fighting is going on. You know, that, that grapevine, it, you know, it's almost as fast as the Internet. Word of mouth. People, people like to spread bad news and rumors and, you know, what makes the news. That's like the reason we have news is because somebody goes and makes the news. And, but we see how important it is to be united, not only for the growth of the church, but to show the world that we are united. It's important for us to have that unity. Now, division is not good. Division is carnal. And the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, if you're still there in 1 Corinthians, if you turn over to the third chapter, in verses 1 and 4, Paul writes, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as, uh, even as unto babes in Christ. What was the problem? They were thinking in a carnal way. They were acting in a carnal way. Paul could not come in there and speak to them of those spiritual matters, those more mature matters. He couldn't do that because they were not there. Go back to Hebrews, the fifth chapter. But he goes on to say, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, but hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envy and strife and divisions, uh, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of uh, Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? So that was the problem. We don't need to be carnal, we need to be spiritual. What would Paul say about our congregation? If, if Paul came and visited us, he's going to critique us as a congregation, what would be the, the final results? Well, I think they'd be good. I think this congregation here has all of these. And I think that's good. It gives us something to continue to work with, move forward, and hopefully continue to do the Lord's work in this area for a long, long time to come. There are some other things that be, could be considered, but these are some that we can look at tonight and reflect upon and hopefully encourage us to continue to do the Lord's work and be thankful that we've got unity here and we've got zeal and desire and knowledge and all those things that we talked about. That's one thing I love about this congregation. It's a congregation that's going forward and not wanting to set back, not wanting to rest on what has been accomplished in the past, but moving on and doing God's work and doing as much as we can. It's important for us to do that. It's also important for us to realize that there are those who are still not in Christ. There are those who have not, not obeyed the gospel and become a member of the body of Christ. And we continue to work in that direction, helping people come to a knowledge of the truth, and we want them to do that. If you're here tonight and you have not obeyed the gospel, which means having heard the word of God, believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, willing to repent, change your life, live for God, confess Christ publicly, and then be baptized for the remission of sins. That's what's needed. That's what's going to help build the church. If you're here tonight and not done that, we encourage you to, but as a child of God, if this time is, is a time that you need to come forward publicly for something done publicly, we encourage you to do that 
as we stand and sing.